0: And yeah, we do pray God for for a miracle in a situation that seems impossible. We we pray for a revival in Ukraine, for on both sides and in Russia as well. We pray uh, God that you would move in the hearts and minds of all men and women, even in Putin's. Um, and God, we 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 just pray that that um, would sweep through both countries, um, and uh, and that they would. Um like long and desire God for more of you, uh, for more of your kingdom, for your righteousness and and your and your love, yeah. so be with all the people in the midst of this Lord on both sides today, caught kind of the many who are caught up in in things they don't want to be a part of, um, and bring bring mercy, bring hope, bring justice. We just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. I don't know how to transition now. Um We we're kind of in the midst of a we go it seems like and I don't know if you feel like this is just and maybe this is what life is like, right? One hard thing after another. Maybe or maybe this is worse. I don't know. I can't say that I, I've only lived my short 57 years. Compared with the time in history, I'm sure there were times when things felt much worse for the people there, or felt like they do today, you know. But we do, we certainly do feel a loss of control. There's a lot of fear. We've been talking about this forever. It feels like it. But I think in the midst of all this, my long and my longing and desire for myself and for all of us is that we would find our hope, in, right, in God. And become more attached to him than we ever have before. Um, <clears throat> I, I, as I was thinking about this message, I wanted to be vulnerable with you as a way to start and share that you know I, I have some I have some God reasons and some selfish reasons for why I pushed that we go through this book and do this series. Okay. The God the God reasons were um, uh, that when the summer rolled around last summer and we started meeting face-to-face for the first time, and we noticed a shift happening, I, I really had no idea what to do. And I don't know how, how the, if, what the other elders remember about that time, just how difficult it was, because not, nothing was the same, right? We had no idea what we were going to have when we came back. We didn't even know how to how, live in this current situation because it was so different than what we had been in before. Um, and yet yeah, the one thing that I felt like I heard and I, and a few others did as well was was focus on community, deepen your relationships right like it's like love one another like that that was really what felt strong to me um and I was actually reading reading this book during that during that time I was going through it with the team that Eric Seberg's on that I was supervising were kind of walking through it, and I was amazed at how. The things in this book really were about becoming attached and growing closer together, right? And it felt to me like this was, this was perfect. And so when we looked for a new series at the beginning of this year, I kind of brought this to the, to the, um, to the teaching team and to the elders and said, I really wanna do this book. I really think we should do this. Those were the God reasons. The selfish, selfish reasons were, I don't, I don't want FCBC to die. And I found myself afraid because I, I didn't know what was cat what was going on. I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know how this was all going to end. Uh, you never do, right? But I, but I thought we need, we need to do something to, re, to become more resilient, right? We need to do something to become stronger, right? So resilient means the, the, the ability to recover from setbacks, adapt well to change, and keep going in the face of adversity. Uh, and honestly, the other selfish reason was I didn't want to see anyone else leave. And I've got to do something that will draw us closer together and, and help, us, help us stay. And It's hard to say goodbye to people. I talked about that a little last week, because when you do become attached to people and they leave, there is a, there is a separation pain that happens. And it's different than when a, you send a child off, because you know they'll come back, right? Sometimes they come back when you don't want them to, but they come back. Um, but but you but you have that lifelong bond. But when people leave a community like this, you never know if you're going to stay friends. You don't know if you're going to stay connected with them. And I've experienced that so much in my life. I'm like, I am just sick and tired of this. I don't want this anymore. You know. Um, I I really do believe that hard times like this can become an experience that help us grow together and mature. Right. To become stronger and more loving but they can also become traumas that that wound us and hurt us and wreck us and i I think of some of the situations where people have left well and i'm blessed by it i think of others where they haven't or hard things have happened and that's that still feels like a trauma to me there's a deep wound in those places i don't i don't want to experience that anymore i know i can't control that right i can't control that but that's kind of my so I have good reasons, and I have what I would call selfish ones for that. I, if if I had a character flaw in me, I I would say it's my wife can tell you a lot, but I would say the <laughs> the one is that I tend to uh, towards uh, pessimism or worry rather than being optimistic, you know. But I but I did experience in the midst of a hard time, um, uh, almost 30 years ago now. What it's like to be with a group of people that attach to one another and become good friends and stay through a difficult time, you know. Even if in the end God sends them off, which He did for both of us, and this was 30 years ago when Lori and I were in inner city work in Chicago, and I've shared a lot of stories about that, and maybe even this one. But we we faced a very difficult situation. It wasn't a pandemic. It wasn't a church where a lot of people were leaving. Everyone lived near each other. It was it, it was a it was an abusive pastoral situation where the pastor that we had over the church was very broken and very abusive to everyone there. I've shared with you some of the stories about him, but I, what I didn't tell you, I don't think I remember, was in that time, we made some close friends, Lori and I did. There was a group of people in the church who invited us into their house group, and they realized how much we were struggling, how isolated we felt, and, and how like <laughs> like this pastor was just coming after us, you know? Now, I, I would say, like, looking back at my, my younger self 30 years ago or whenever it was, I would have said, Why? Why? Get, get leave, go, right? Leave. You, you don't have to stay in that place. But as I was thinking back, there were a number of reasons we stayed. One is we were young and we didn't know also how to respond, right? There was some, there was some, ig- some um, ignorance there on our part. Um, we didn't know what our rights were and we didn't even know what was happening half the time, I think, because we were so traumatized. Um, but also, we really loved the people we were with. We developed deep attachments to the people in our community. It was hard. It was hard to let that go. Um, and we made we made a commitment to the Lord. And go, by golly, we were going to see it through. Right? We were going to finish that th- that three year commitment we made or whatever it was. See it to the end, regardless of what it cost us. You know. But this couple, in particular, was one couple in particular it was a house group, but this this one couple in particular, Rick and Laura. They they became really good friends in the midst of this, you know. They shared we shared our vulnerabilities with each other. We would lean on each other when we were struggling. Um, we we really I believe were showing has said to one another. Although I don't know if any of us knew that word, right? Um, and it eventually got to the point where as we were sharing life together, they invited us to become the godparents for their children. Um, the oldest of which I officiated the wedding for two years ago, right? And we've stayed close, family, friends to them, and at times, I refer to them as our best friends. That's, that's, that's what happens when there's chesed in a relationship, right? There's an attachment that takes place that's hard to break. Um, now, mind you, I, we didn't have to live with them, and I I'm ama- I'm imagine if we had lived with them for a while, we'd, we'd find all sorts of things that are annoying about them, but I hope they don't listen to this, because then I'm in trouble, but. <laughs> still love them right a lot but there are things but there were things that we would choose to work through together because we had that kind of commitment and we knew that especially when they invited us to be their godparents we thought these are people that want to be lifelong friends and and and, and if there's anything good about my desires that's what i want from all of you i don't i want to be lifelong friends right? I, um i don't want i don't want to see this torn apart I, again i don't control any of this or know how to work it but what i do know is some of the stuff in this book that we've been studying this experiencing joy when we're together and learning how to love one another has said right to create that attachment is so key I, it, it went out this week on fcbc net hey jeff do you have the video yeah um you some of you saw, have seen this i think i don't know if scott was going to show it and didn't or and then, uh, were you going to sew it, Linda? And you didn't, right? It's uh, from the Bible Project. It's the video on on his set. It's it's Tim Mackey's de- de- kind of way, the way he defines it. I thought it was excellent. If you've seen it, watch it again. If
1: you haven't, this is the first time. So go ahead.
2: If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and courageous, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this fourth phrase, loyal love. It translates the Hebrew word chesed, which is hard to translate into any language because it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment all into one. Chesa describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. Like in the story of Ruth, Ruth is a foreigner married to an Israelite man. But tragically, her husband dies along with his brother and his father. All Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, who has nothing to give her. Naomi tells Ruth she should go back to her people. But instead, Ruth promises to stay by Naomi's side and take care of her. And as other people watch Ruth keep this promise over time, they call it an act of chesed. Notice that Ruth's chesed is not conditional or based on Naomi's worth. Rather, it's an expression of Ruth's character. She just is a generous and loving person who keeps her word. That's chesed. Now, Ruth's loyal love is truly inspiring, but the one who shows the most enduring chesed in the Bible is God. Like in the story about Jacob, who is a treacherous liar even to his own family. But despite that, God chooses him and repeats the promise he made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, that he would have a huge family through whom God would restore his blessing to the nations. And so 20 years later, when Jacob realizes how undeserving he is, he says to God, I'm not worthy of all the chesed you've shown me. And he's right. But God's chesed was never about Jacob's worth in the first place. It's a display of God's generous loyalty to his promise. God's chesed continues into the story of Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. When they're enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told that God remembered his promise to Abraham and Jacob, so God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses to liberate the people and lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed because it was about God keeping his word. Now, on their way to the Promised Land, the Israelites are scared of the nations around them and they doubt that God can protect them. So the people threaten to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. God is understandably hurt and angry, but Moses steps in and says, Forgive the sin of these people because of your great chesed. Notice that Moses asks God to forgive not because the people deserve it, but because it's consistent with God's own character. And God agrees, and he recommits himself to a people that don't want to be committed to him. In the Bible, God is loyal and loving for no other reason than it's just who God is. Of course, he wants his people to respond with chesed in return, but even when they don't, God's chesed remains. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's chesed to a morning mist that's here one moment and gone the next. But God's chesed is enduring like in the celebration of Psalm 136 that opens by saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and then 26 times repeats, His chesed is forever. And so, after centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, and after humanity's long history of violence and death, God still kept his promise in a dramatic and drastic way by becoming human. And binding himself to us in the person of Jesus. And the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth said that in him they encountered the God of Israel who is full of loyal love and faithfulness. Jesus is the ultimate loyal and loving human. And in his life, death, and resurrection, God opened up a new future for all of us and for all of creation. And God did this because it's just who God is. Generous, loving and eternally loyal to his promises and when we experience the purity and power of God's loyal love shown through Jesus, it compels us to reimagine why and how we can show Chesed back to God and to the people around us. This is what it means to say that God is overflowing with loyal
0: Great description. Tim Mackey says, uh, the Hebrew word chesed, uh, which is hard to translate into any language because it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment all into one. Chesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. He calls it loyal love, right? And then he goes on at the end, he says, when we experience the purity and power of God's loyal love shown through Jesus, it compels us to reimagine why and how we can show Hesed back to God and to people around us—that is what it means to say that God is overflowing with loyal love. Right? The passage that I used from Exodus at the beginning of the service—it's been going through my head over and over again. Yeah. Um, you know, Jim Jim Wilder describes Hesed as a biblical example of what we call of today call you know attachment. Um, it's this strong. Uh, secure, loyal uh, kind of connection that we have to God and others. Hasid then, is the glue that binds us together and attaches us to one another and to God. Um, if said is the Old Testament word if you read the chapter. The New Testament word is agape, which means unconditional love. And then he talks a lot about how it's lacking in richness to Hasid. And to make up for this, Paul goes into great detail in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, maybe 13. Um, to show, or 13 mainly, to show us what hasad is really like, even though he uses the word agape, right? Because there isn't an equivalent word in Greek. Um, I I, I just have this one note. I actually like, again, we looked at it a little last week to look at 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to start with the end of 12. But just this one note, Lori and I were talking about this as we were discussing this idea of hasad and agape. I don't know about you, but for most of my life, agape has felt impossible, how many of you can relate agape is god's love like i can love like god maybe a little bit right maybe just a little bit you know i can do that it's like it's not just like unconditional love it's i think i've always translated in my head perfect love and and it's too it just feels impossible it's like it's the gold standard and i'll get there when i get to heaven but before that i'm just it's not going to happen you know so I get when Peter's with Jesus and he and he's saying you know Peter do you agape me and he's like no I know I, I what does he say flail you Jesus right saying he's trying to translate look I can't do that and I could totally relate I'm totally Peter sitting there but when I hear the word has said it changes everything and I think I maybe I could do that right I mean has said feels more earthy and real I, I can I can think of has said and I can think of examples of it I mean. There's has said is when you put up with someone who's annoying, loving them despite how annoying they are to you, right? You know what I mean? You've all had, we all have that opportunity, and we can choose to do it or not. And I don't feel like I've failed, uh, at like um, like I do at agape all the time, if I don't exactly live up to full hased. But I feel like I can do that. I can choose to love someone who's difficult to love. But even more, I, I can think of it in the context of a relationship, like a husband and wife. Who have chosen to stay married through difficulties their entire life by showing loyal love to one another right i mean i think for any of us who are married or have parents that have seen this happen in a good way you know that that's love is always a choice at some part when it gets past the romantic which doesn't usually take that long i don't mean that in a bad way honey i'm you know the romantic love is still there but it's not the thing that helps you through like make it all the way through it's the thing that uh, you know, you you, um, you have from time to time that 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 still is fu- makes the relationship fun, but it's the loyal love, it's the it's that choice to love, to stay committed and true that really makes the big difference. Um, you know, I, I know of one couple personally. This was said right. The husband left the wife for another woman, lived with this other woman for a year. She didn't divorce him. Uh, continued to work on her marriage, and they eventually reconciled, and she took him back. That That's a sad, isn't it? Now, I'm sure she wasn't perfect at it. I'm sure there were lots of mistakes, but the fact that she followed through the end and stayed committed to their initial love relationship is totally remarkable to me. And that, that feels more down-to-earth than possible. So when we look at this passage together, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. We're going to start at the end of 12 and go through 13. Just, and we're just going to read it through. I want you to think of it as a said love, like they say in the book, and not agape. But at least the way we put it, all right? So. Yeah, it's 1 Corinthians 12, starting with 27. Now you, or we, are the body of Christ, and each one of us is part of it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, and of helping of guidance and of different kinds of tongues all our apostles are all are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers do all work miracles do all have gifts of healing do all speak in tongues do all interpret now eagerly desire the greater gifts and i will show you the most excellent way <clears throat> if i speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have said I am only a resounding gong or a clanging single symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have a said, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have a said, I gain nothing. Right? This kind of love is patient. This kind of love is kind, this kind of love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. This kind of love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This love never fails. But where there are prophets, they will cease where there are tongues they will be stilled where there is knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when completeness comes what is in part disappears yeah. so i want you just to talk with someone sitting next to you when you look at this passage from with the word has rather than agape or from what we've been reading in the book about how important has is and or even joy is how Does it change how you see this passage? Is your reading of it changed? Is your interpretation of it changed? Is the emphasis on you changed? Just talk briefly with the person sitting next to you. Okay, I know I haven't given you much time, I apologize about that. What, what struck you as we read through this passage? What I've, I've heard some good things. Anybody want to share? What struck you, David? Here, stand up and help me out because we're, we're running out of time here.
2: I was just struck um, when we combined that video about God's nature as chesed and then the verse from Corinthians about becoming chesed, how ultimately this is us becoming like God and God never fails. God endures forever. Nothing can overcome God. So essentially this is a call to us to become like God to share in who God is and that's profound yeah thank you Scott
1: next it, it strikes me is that it's a full embodied reality not yeah. something that's one-off you know oh you know I'll be loving today but something that you inhabit, that becomes part of your very nature, your very being. And that's the piece that I think escapes a lot of us in our sort of individualistic culture is that we think, oh, I just make up for things or I do these individual acts. But no, it's you're inhabiting God's nature, which is hesed. I was uh, reflecting on the divisive forces that are trying to break Hassed mm. in the church community. Mm. There are a lot of forces uh, rallied against Hasid love, a lot trying to break us up. And I just think about some of Paul's warnings about divisive people. You know, that this is an attack on the kind of unique bond that ought to exist here that that is above all other kinds of bonds. And so I just, I think reading it, I was feeling very acutely the forces of division that are mounted against the church and against Hasset. Yeah.
2: reading this passage, I was like, what is Peter trying to get us to see? (laughs) Um, But I thought, oh, you know, these gifts of being an apostle or being a teacher, you know, like, hey, I'm a teacher or whatever. It's
1: really a tool to display God's said love. Is that what you're trying to get at?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good.
1: I was just thinking that this, you know, this passage is of course we always think this is like impossible love and then what comes to mind to me is Jesus is the embodiment of that um love in in a in a body. You know, I mean he walked it out. And we have him living in us like, you know, Eric, we inhabit there's this exchange and there's a a supply coming from God if we yield to him that we can, in increasing amounts, that we can uh, manifest this this uh, atti- attitude of God, this character of God, um, that's what I'm thinking. And if we just yield to it, it's so rare, but I have experienced it, it's so rare, but when it does, you just know it's that, that's what it is.
0: I... I uh, you guys, that was great. It was more than I had thought. In all honesty, I um, uh, I do think part of it is I wanted us to, to, I said it earlier, right at the beginning, I didn't want us to see this as impossible anymore, but just real, just really choosing to love, you know. It's not that I have to be exactly like this, but but with God's help and with each other, right? We together, I mean, because that's what attachment does, right? It forms and shapes our character. We, be, we can become people who long for and desire this, even though we're not perfect, even though this seems impossible, even though we don't always get it right, right? We can choose to do the hard thing, to love the difficult person, to love ourselves when we're difficult. There's all kinds of things we can do. And God wants to help us right? embody this reality in terms of who he is. I thought it was all good. Yes, Janine, I thought your point too was excellent. right? These are, all, these are all avenues, and I didn't think of that, through which God wants us to demonstrate his, his said love to one another and to others. What, what struck me as I was re- reading this and thinking about this is, is this not the kind of love the world needs to see? I mean, this is not the kind of love when he said love one another, right? That by this, they'll know that you're my disciples. This, this, this love of God, this has said, right? This loyal love that sticks beside you and kind of walks through um, thick and thin together, that's resilient, right? And, 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 and willing to kind of uh, go through the rough times together. Right? This is the kind of love that transforms not only us, but the others who experience it through us. And that, and that's this is the secure loving attachment, and this is why this is important. And I'll only take a few more minutes, but I think a lot of the struggles that we face in the world right now are because of bad attachments, right? And because people don't know real love. I think a lot of the stuff that students on campus that we've seen they dealt with is, and this is what um, Jim Wilder would call like, um, uh, you know, uh, pseudo attachments or pseudo, right? Pseudo. Um, Pseudo joy. These people are seeking through accomplishments, uh, through uh, through partying, through sex, through through becoming popular, even through social media. They're all false, right? Um, And yet they're looking for something. They're looking for joy. They're looking for love, and they're trying to find it in those places. Um, And here's what I've been telling students lately. A lot of the time in the past, I would say well, let's take those problems to Jesus, which is important, right? Let's deal with them. Let's, be, let's become disciples. Let's start reading your Bible every day, which is really important, right? I'm not saying that. Now the first thing I tell them is, you need to find a group of people that are really going to love you. You need to find a group of people that are going to accept you as you are and want, it, want the best for you, and they're going to help you become all God created you to be. you know. And that's what I tell my kids, too. Like, hey, I know you're really struggling with anxiety right now, right? where I tell the kids on campus, yeah, I know you're struggling with depression. The answer is not to figure it out yourself. The answer is to get together with some people who really see you for who you are, right? They look in your eyes, they're happy to see you and you experience joy. That's the first step, the most important one to take initially. And then with them, start to go towards God, right? That's what I'm telling them to do, right? That's my, that's my like, and it's been since I've been reading this book, like, hoy, if I just missed this, you know? This, so, this simple piece of advice, the answer is going to be found, yes, in prayer, yes, in Jesus, but you need to find a group of people that are going to love you and see you for who you are. You know, this problem isn't just on campus, it's in the church, too. I don't see it so much here, but I've seen it in other places. Just that, you know, we've talked a lot about this, the transactionalness of the church, the consumerism, you know, kind of the emphasis on big, 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 right? Big worship, big message. You know, big numbers, um, big success, big money, whatever you want to say big is about. And, and just um, uh, uh, what, a, what, a, what a struggle that is to see that, knowing that that's not really what the church is supposed to offer. Those are cultural trappings, right? The church is, is offers what? It offers relationship. It's not about transaction. It's, it's, not, a, it's not about product. It's about relationship. And for us as a church moving forward, as we're starting to put this into practice, we need to do everything we can in order to strengthen joyful, loving relationships. That isn't the first thing we do. Even when we do, like we still need to do outreach, but we need to do it in the context of joyful, loving relationships, right? That's what we need to do. When we move out of this place and we decide where we're going, Right? Whatever it might be, whether we buy a, a, an apartment, a house, whether we, whether we rent a space, we need to be thinking in terms of how can we build joyful, loving relationships with with each other and with the people around us. With our neighbors, the people that live next door, with the person that sits in the cubicle next to us at work. The past, you know, I'm, actually now I'm that Scott Bessenecker for me since I moved into the missions department at InterVarsity. He's my neighbor I'm trying to love. You can pray for me about that. So. <laughs> I'm kidding you know um but but there's that reality right when you're at work. These are the people that are around you that you have an opportunity to to show Hased to and experience Hased with right so over programs and plans, emphasize joy and and emphasize connecting to each other over expectations and needs, we need to recognize the strength of who we are and the and what we're not right um and pray for the areas we need to go and and choose. Um, sometimes family over our own, our own desires, right? Um, and, and, and I think, too, oh, oh, we know over comparison, like joy and loving relationship over comparison with other churches. It's really easy to look at this and say, I wish we were bigger. I wish, you know, that was better. I wish the preaching was better. Heck, there's better preaching at many churches around here. Oh. That's not a problem. In fact, you just have to go on, you know, YouTube and you can hear lots of great messages, right? Not a big deal. But that's not what this is supposed to be about. This is a cultural reality, what I'm doing right now. This isn't church. Church is us together, loving one another. Church is us breaking bread together. Church is us doing communion. Church is us worshiping. Church is us in, in, in music. Church is us doing communion. It's all of those things. Church is us being together, supporting one another, showing other people has said love. It's not me getting up and teaching you on a Sunday morning as much as that's a part of our cultural idea of what church is, this isn't church. What in terms of how God created it? Yes, some are teachers, but teachers have many settings in which they can teach. And I honestly feel like the best settings are the life ones, right? The opportunities that come up in day, day-to-day living when you're actually with someone, not just on a once-a-month Sunday. As much as I enjoy doing this, right? those are all important. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna i'm just going to say this i i I think uh, again above all else moving forward um i I want us to be a church and i think this is true for many of us that is joyful about joyful loving relationships first and foremost where we're together becoming one and building each other's character we're helping each other grow and become who god created us to be and that's the kind of place i want to encourage other people to come to and, and and be at right regardless of how great the 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 um the preaching is on Sunday or whatever else we offer. So let me, let me pray. And then uh, I've got a few announcements. Okay. So Lord, we, we do, um, uh, long to be more, um, more like you and demonstrate your has said love to each other. So God, show us how we can do that. Open our eyes, help us to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto each other instead. Um, and, uh, and help us to really walk with each other through these these hard times to find to find opportunities to be thankful, Lord, and to experience joy in each other's presence, and and, and not to give up until you move us on to something else. We just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.